Uh, all right, I gotta get some announcements out of the way. I had to preach during the announcements today. Um, so let me give some now. Um, uh, a few things as we uh, transition into this space, we've not even uh, been in here two months uh, so far. The nursery, this is only our third Sunday uh, with it open. And uh, it's, things are really different uh, than they were. I mean, we didn't worship here before the pandemic. Uh, we worshiped at Tate's Creek uh, during most of uh, the pandemic up to this point. Uh, and there we were in a room that fit about six times more people uh, than, <laughs> than we needed it to. Uh, and we didn't have nursery, so things are super different. We, we've never had two services before as a church. Uh, so to make this transition, uh, there are adjustments that all of us uh, are having to make. I mean, the first, most obvious one is what we wear over our mouths. Um, another one is that we really all need to pitch in in, far, in terms of uh, volunteers. So uh, we need a, a lot more nursery workers, especially as more of our kids come back. Uh, we are at 26. We really need to be at 42. Uh, so uh, we, we would love for you to serve in the nursery. Uh, another one is uh, Jared needs a lot of help with making sure that we greet well. We have two different entrances uh, that we need to do the health checks at, that we want to give people a proper greeting. We want to make sure people know where to park. And um, so that's just coming just 10, 15 minutes before church. Uh, so if, if you can help uh, with greeting, uh, holler at Jared, Jared at hopelexington.org. If you can help with the nursery, holler at Megan, Megan at hopelexington.org. Um, and here's the good news about the nursery. Uh, because we have two services, you can serve in one and go to the other. Not have to skip church. Uh, there are some benefits to having two services. Uh, that's the first one. Uh, the second one is uh, just an update on RSVP stuff. Uh, some of you didn't RSVP. Uh, I'm not going to put like a black X over you at the moment because I had the list. I know who you are um, and also know who RSVP'd and is not here. Um, uh, but uh, we, we really need you to uh, in part because we want to make sure that we uh, have what we need around here. Uh, and lastly, uh, we, there is a cost to this transition. Uh, we, we actually have much cheaper rent here than we had at Grace, which is good news. Uh, but just the initial cost of making sure the nursery uh, is up to standards, uh, that we have the sound that we need uh, for our coming morning service, that we can make a quick transition with Arlington. Uh, last week I was able to tell you, I think we were at 38 last week, maybe 39, and um, this week uh, we're at 53, so uh, we're well over halfway there. Uh, our goal was 75, uh, so if you've not been able to make an additional donation, we'd love for you to, uh, just to help us with the transition. Um, I think that's it. Uh, any other questions, uh, you can ask Justin, uh, because today uh, is my last day for sabbatical. Um, so um, I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give my benediction at 5.30 and throw up the deuces and uh, turn my phone off for four months. I'm, I'm kidding in, in part. Um, so I, I'm super, super, super grateful. I, I recognize that many, 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 many pastors who need a sabbatical for lots of different reasons aren't able to. Um, so I'm really, really thankful that I get to. And you might ask, well, Mark, Marsh, what are you going to be doing? Um, I started the Marvel series. I told you I was going to do that. I started it last night. Um, first half of the first one is done. Um, so uh, that's not the one thing I'm going to do. I, I really do expect to spend a lot of time praying and a lot of time reading. Uh, that's what I naturally do when I don't have anything else to do, and especially when my kids aren't around. In April and May, they're going to be in school. So they're going to be around a couple hours every day that I'm going to be able just to read. Um, I'm also going to sleep a lot. 
Uh, Jenna was gone with the kids this week, and um, I slept over nine hours, uh, two nights in a row, and I can't believe it. And um, so I'm hoping I can. I, I've already been able to sense just the, I've not been waking up thinking about work. I mean, you guys do the same thing. Um, and I've already, that's something that's already kicked in, so I'm, I'm thankful. But I know there's going to be a dark moment at some point where I'm going to say, uh, am, am, I, uh, am I just a pastor or am I a Christian too? I've been operating in this ministry mode really since I was about 15. Uh, really when I was 15 is when I began to see God work through me. And in a lot of ways, I've been doing the same exact thing in my life since I was 15. Except the only difference is, I just preach on Sundays now. Um, and I, I, I think I'm a lot more tired uh, from doing that for 25 years than I expected. Um, I also think I've got more of my identity wrap up in that than I probably realized. Um, so you can pray for me. Uh, that's a big thing you pray for. You pray for Jen and the kids, too. Uh, they've taken their hits as a part of uh, planning this church, not because of any of your all's fault, just part of living in a sinful world with an enemy at your heels. Um, so you can pray for their restoration, too. Um, they, too, need the sabbatical. So let me pray. Uh, Father, we th- thank you for gathering us today. We thank you for this church, for Arlington. Lord, thank you for their hospitality, just their their friendliness uh, to us and um, their openness to us being here, their excitement for us being here. And uh, Lord, I I pray that we can be uh, a blessing to them in return. Lord, we do come again to your word. This is Easter, but it is like every Sunday uh, that we open up your word, a word that uh, isn't a textbook. It's not just a a place where we can prove why we do certain things. Um, But Lord, it is a, a living document, a document that uh, first and foremost, exposes us to the glory of your person. And Lord, when you combine that with the power of your spirit, Lord, we can change. Even if we can't tell when we walk out of the room, Lord, we know that because we have been with you, we are different. Uh, so Lord, uh, do this work even now. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, last weekend, uh, not this, not like yesterday, Friday, uh, past weekend, but the one before, uh, Katie and Daniel are here, uh, they got married. And I've done, it, was the mo- it, it wasn't the wedding they had expected. Uh, they, I'm sure that they had a much longer guest list that they would have loved to invite all those people, or at least Katie would have loved to invite all those people. Um, but I've done some weird weddings. Uh, and weird, I don't mean that bad. I mean, the first one I did during the pandemic, I did with just the bride, the groom, the best man, and uh, the maid of honor in Woodland Park in the gazebo uh, with Facebook Live for everybody else. That was the first one. The second one was a drive-through wedding. The ceremony took place, and everybody who was invited to the wedding just drove through to congratulate the bride and the groom. Uh, the third wedding I was a part of, uh, there were about 20 people there. The bride and groom were right in front of me, and then there were about 20 other people kind of scattered across a field with a couple cars in the back that were the grandparents. I mean, there's some really different weddings that I was a part of during the pandemic. But this one last weekend had some some, uh, uh, it, it has some parts that seem normal, at least normal for weddings. I mean, I've, been done, I've, done most of, I've done a lot of your weddings. I've done a lot of them, and I love them. And it, it felt somewhat normal, mostly because um, I've been fully vaccinated, and um, I just didn't give a care. I mean, I wore, I wore a mask when I was supposed to, uh, but I didn't have that internal anxiety that I've had for the past year because I had my armor on. Uh, and it was glorious. It was glorious, yes, because it was Katie and Daniel, but it was also glorious just to be able to feel safe inside with other people that I don't live with or share DNA with. 
It was glorious to be able to dance for the first time. And I laughed so much, I, I, as much in, that, in those two days I had in the previous year put together. I loved every single second of it. I could have gone all night long. It's because that's what I was made for. And not just because I'm a rabid extrovert who loves weddings. It's because it's community, and that's what you were made for too. Now this is all positioned in the positive, the glory of this wedding. But let me put it in the negative. Uh, Justin mentioned at our Good Friday service that uh, the government of Japan, uh, they just appointed a, a new position, a position that they're calling a minister of loneliness. It would be like an officer of loneliness. And this person's job is to head up initiatives to combat a spike in suicides that's happened in Japan. See, in Japan, more people committed suicide in October of 2020 than people who died of COVID in Japan for the whole year of 2020. And the interesting thing to me about this whole article that I read was why it's called Minister of Loneliness. It's not called Minister of Suicides. It's not called Minister of Mental Health. It's not called Minister of Poverty. It's called Minister of Loneliness. See, community is a big deal. It's a big deal for Jesus. He spent the vast majority of his public ministry with people, especially his 12 disciples. Yeah, I, I know, he had times of solitude, he had times of prayer, but when he wasn't praying, he was with people. Now, when you see Jesus live this way in the Gospels, it shouldn't come as a surprise to you if you know anything about the rest of the Bible. As you see in the rest of the Bible, with all of God's people, you just see community. I mean, think about Adam in the garden. When Adam was in the garden, he was alone. He didn't know it. He didn't know any better. He was the first person created. And God said to him that it was not good for him to be alone. Think about the most pitiable state that human beings can be in according to the Bible. Think about it. What is it? It's that of an orphan or a widow. Why? Because they're alone. Then when you look at the Old Testament, even when the stories are dealing with an individual, it's really about how the individual plays into the corporate body as a whole. So this whole idea of community is true in the scriptures, then we shouldn't be surprised to see the theme of community woven into the fabric of Easter. And if there's ever an Easter to talk about community, it's 2021. I mean, think about Easter 2020. If y'all thought about this day, you probably had conversations about it. I mean, Easter 2020, um, I preached in Duncan Park, I think on a Friday, and recorded it, and it became live on Sunday. How weird. It was the first Easter that I didn't see anybody except the people I live with, Jen and the kids. We were all shell-shocked at what had been happening the weeks previous, and we didn't know what the next year would hold. And here we are today, and we know that YouTube, FaceTime, Zoom, and social media just doesn't cut it in order to be the people of God. You need deeper connections, and so you're here, and you're looking for community. And I hope you find it in a first-person kind of way. But I know you'll find it in our passage. So let's read Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10, and then we'll read 16 to 20. 
Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He's not here, for he is risen. And as he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold... Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Okay, so now here they see him. Verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Thank you, God. A little Bible trivia to get us started. Uh, how many resurrection accounts are there in the New Testament? Twelve. There's Twelve. All right. There are 10 resurrection accounts that happen to groups of people and two that happen to individuals. 12 of them, 10 to groups, two to individuals. Now let's go through the 10 that happen to groups. Three of them, one in Matthew, one in Mark, and one in Luke, all happen to a group of women, just like the one we saw here. And they're the first people to see Jesus resurrected. And then in Matthew... Luke, 2 and John, and 1 in Acts, you have Jesus appears to his 11 disciples. Then you have Luke in chapter 24 records a scene where Jesus finds two men traveling on a road distraught that Jesus has died on a cross. And then you see Jesus appear to just Peter and six other disciples while they're fishing. So you add all those up and you get 10. And they happen to groups of people, communities of people. And then you only have two happen to individuals. You've got one in John 20 to Mary Magdalene, and another is in Acts 9 to Saul. And you know what this tells me? It tells me that Jesus' resurrection is just as much, if not more, a matter of community as it is a matter of individual experience. Say it again. It tells me that Jesus' resurrection is just as much, if not more, a matter of community as it is a matter of individual experience. And this communal aspect of resurrection faith is very, very difficult for us because we're Americans. And as Americans, we all, we all struggle with this communal nature of what it means to be a human being. Just go to virtually any other country. And you'll see just how individualistic we are. 
And we're really good at this individualistic approach. And I bet you, if you were to read those 12 accounts, one a day for the next 12 days, the two that would probably make the most sense to you would be John 20 with Mary Magdalene and Acts 9 with Saul. Why? Because they are individuals. And we have this whole idea that our faith is centered around us, the individual. We say things like, my quiet time, my conversion, my church, my Bible study, my needs. And to no surprise, when a sociologist, one from Notre Dame, did, this, did a study and did a study of millennials. People were born between 81 and 96. I was born in 81. I know some of you were born after 96, but you're close. And here's what he found out was the basic belief system or the creed that comes out of these professing Christians who are millennials. Five things. The first, God exists, a God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. Number two, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most religions. Number three, the central goal of life is to be happy and feel good about oneself. Number four, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. Man, that one got me. And number five, good people go to heaven when they die. Put those five together and you've got a lot of meat going on. There's virtually nothing about community in those five statements. God created me. God wants me to be good, nice, and fair. God will make me happy. God will solve my problems, and I will go to heaven when I die. And to make matters worse, just think about the way you would think about your routine. If you talk about your daily routine, particularly Monday to Friday, I bet you it goes something like this. I wake up. I go to my job. I take care of my children. I eat my meals. I take care of my house. I pay my bills. I go to my doctor's appointments. I watch my shows and I go to my bed. Repeat. You should do this over and over and over. And we do most of this alone. We do most of this with only people who are related to us. See, we're very isolated in our mobile, fast-paced world just by virtue of being an American. And then you throw COVID on top of all of that and you can see why you're so lonely. Now I've said casually that nobody's doing uh, better than a five out of 10 in 2020 or 2021. It's been an immense year of suffering. And just think about our culture. It's this powder keg of divisiveness with politics. You can cut the racial tension with a knife as we await the sentence in the George Floyd trial. You've got the public shootings. They just keep coming. And then you've got all the consequences associated with COVID. You've got the deaths. You've got the loss of friends and jobs. You've got separation from family members. You've got fights about masks, fights about vaccines. It's like suffering on steroids. That's the last 12 months. Now, it doesn't mean that nothing we're celebrating has happened. Maybe you've been 
on the lucky side of the economic pendulum during the pandemic. Maybe you found the love of your life during the pandemic. And I'm not disputing that. What I am saying is that suffering is always hard, but suffering alone is almost unbearable. And because the resurrection creates community, it means that it's time for us to band together and carry one of those burdens. It means we must figure out ways to be together. But what does that look like to be together, to be this resurrection community? Does it mean that we start staring into empty caves like Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus? Do we gather in upper rooms like maybe one of those up there with our bros and wait for Jesus to walk through the wall? Do we journey to Israel and walk the Damascus Road and expect Jesus to appear to us like he did Saul? No, 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 you know that. And the good news is that the scriptures don't leave us in the dark of what resurrection community is all about. That's why we included verses 16 to 20 in our reading. Because we get really clear directives on what our community is to be about. Look at verse, verses 16 and 17. You'll see that when they saw the resurrected Jesus for the first time, they fell down and worshipped, and some doubted. Now, I, 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 this is my last sermon, but if I, I wanted to preach one on just, and some doubted next week. Because maybe you think you either worship or you doubt. But according to the scriptures, according to this passage, these people worshiped and doubted. They were a mixture of both. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. The suffering has gotten the best of you over the last year. It's hard for you to believe in the goodness of God. Join the crowd. You can worship too. But this resurrection community, the first thing they do is that they worship. This was their primary posture as the resurrected community. Why? Why do they worship? They worship because this event stands at the very center of history. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, then the resurrection stands at the deciding point of all other things. And today, we're waiting on how things are going to shake out. We think that COVID is going to change everything, don't we? It's going to change office culture. It's going to make people paranoid as strangers forever because of possible infection. That we think kids are going to be behind forever academically and in their social development. We think the retail world will change forever because now it's just an online delivery dynamic. And there's no doubt COVID is going to have a lasting effect. But to say it's the deciding point in history is blasphemy to the Christian. You could have said the same thing about 9-11. You could have said the same thing about World War II and Pearl Harbor. You could have said the same thing about the fall of the Roman Empire. You could have said the same thing about the nailing of the 95 Theses to the church at Wittenberg by Luther to start the Reformation. You could have said the same thing about the assassination of MLK or JFK. You go on and on and on, but there's only one event on which all others turn. It's the resurrection. Because the resurrection says there's hope. I know things have been darker than the pandemic. I know things were dark at 9-11. I know things must have been dark at Pearl Harbor. And things go dark for us privately, too, as we deal with the deaths, the loss of the deaths of loved ones. As we deal with sickness, we deal with divorce and addiction and miscarriages and abuse, mental illness, economic struggles. But the resurrection says that cancer and drugs and funerals don't get the last word. Jesus does. And because of the resurrection, you get a new body. You get a new body that cannot decay. 
And because of resurrection, there's a day coming. There's no more tears. There's no more death. There's no more pain. Because of the resurrection, there are going to be no more orphans or widows. Because of the resurrection, there will be no more poverty. Because of the resurrection, there will be no more sin and injustice will be no more. And because of the resurrection, the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, and the liars will receive their portion in the judgment. All because of the resurrection. And in Matthew 28, when the disciples fall down and worship, for all their dim-wittedness, they understood that the resurrection meant all of those things. And that's why they worshiped. And that was their community's primary responsibility, and it's our community's primary responsibility too. So no matter how dark things have been for you, no matter how dark things will be for you, the resurrection community says that you will not struggle alone. That Christ's tangible presence with you are your brothers and sisters in Christ. So there you have it. Worship is the backdrop, the life of our community. But we see the shape of that worship in verses 18 to 20. You see that this shape of worship has this missional drive. And Jesus could have said, all those guys are all sitting around. They're, they've fallen down at his feet. And they, Jesus could have said, hey, just stay here for a few more hours. You've got to soak this up. I'm not going to be here much longer. Let's just keep singing and praying. And when I leave, you guys have gotten it right. Your whole life is to be about worship. So just stay here and sing and pray as long as you can. And leave for a couple seconds and eat and come back and Sing and pray right here. Forever. Try to get other people to do it with you. But he doesn't just say that it's only about singing and praying. It's not just about those types of tasks. It's also about making other disciples. It's about not just reinforcing the ties that they have with one another. I mean, no one else was going to be able to totally understand what happened there, right? Right? I mean, they were some of the last people to see the risen Christ. They could have made this shared experience something that was very exclusive. And they just went the rest of their lives just meeting one another's needs. They only caring about their own personal development. But the community of this resurrection, the community that worshipped like these people, meant that they had to be about more than just their binding ties with one another. But they also had to be about bridging ties to those who are not yet a part of the resurrection community. That they are to take the life of the resurrection to those who have not experienced the risen Lord like they have. The same goes for us. Many of us, especially due to the nature of COVID, we've been tempted. And we've been tempted to settle for a form of resurrection community that will inevitably lose its missional heartbeat. Some of us, we've been tempted to settle for our family as this central resurrection community. We've been tempted to settle for a very close group of friends as our central resurrection community. And it makes sense all because of COVID. But if we're not careful, we'll stay in those lanes. Think about family. Some of us, you have really high family values for good reasons. Close to your folks. You're going to make sure your marriage is important. 
Marriage can't be harder than during the pandemic. You're going to take care of your kids. I understand no harder time to take care of your kids than during the pandemic. So it's really easy to say, all I can do, I'm just hanging on here at home. I'm right there with you. But think about the way Jesus talked about family. Jesus said in front of his mother and his brothers that all those who did his will were his mother's brothers and sisters. If you were Jesus' mom or Jesus' brothers, what would you have thought when Jesus said that? Think if you were married, the mother of Jesus. You'd be like, hey, Jesus, uh, just me. <laughs> I'm the only mom you got around here. I'm not sharing that honor with anybody else. But that's not what Jesus said. And so if that was Jesus' definition of family, what is yours? What is mine? And if our central resurrection community is just our family, I think we're working with something different than Jesus is. And what Sunday worship does is it makes this missional component, it gives it the, an insurance that the missional component will stay a part of your community. The second temptation is to make your central resurrection community your, your Bible study, your small group, your closest friends. Now again, all this makes sense. All of our pods had to get really small during the pandemic, right? And so it would make sense to do it with your closest friends. I did it. But it would be tempting to just stay in that lane. But think about what's going on in the rest of this passage of Matthew 28. Think about what else is a part of their community. You've got them, baptism is an important part of their community. Teaching them all of Jesus' commandments is part of their community. Having this missional edge is part of their community. If you do resurrection community just with your closest friends, it's really hard for those three things to continue to take place. Baptism is really tough, just you and your closest friends. You might be able to talk about the Lord, you might be able to pray with and for one another, but to really challenge one another, to obey all Jesus commanded, it's tough. And to have a missional edge, outsiders are a threat to the intimacy of the established relationships that already exist. So your tight friendships won't quite cut it. And they're not going to cut it for me either. My friends are important. David and Jonathan were close friends. Jesus was clearly close with the twelve. There's lots of proverbs about friendship. Paul was really close with his ministry partners by the kind of glowing language he used for them. But Sunday worship reminds us through word and sacrament that our community is about a resurrected Lord. A resurrected Lord who wins. A resurrected Lord who wins even when that has nothing to do with your lived experience coming into that Sunday. When it feels like you've lost, you come to corporate worship to hear again that Jesus has won. And this is a, a message that's worth living, and it's a message worth sharing. So as you look at your life coming out of COVID, let me implore you, brother and sister, that the risen Lord is not first and foremost about you. He is first and foremost about his people. So may we be the kind of community 
that worships the resurrected Jesus in word and sacrament as we invite others to do the same. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we want to be this kind of community, and it just seems so hard. Lord, we, we know, we, we don't really don't know what the days hold ahead. We don't know if vaccinations are going to cause the caseload to continue to diminish. We don't know about these new strains. Lord, there are, there are always reasons for anxiety. But Lord, we, we know, we know after 12 months that we need each other. Because we doubt. And one of the ways that you combat our doubts is with the tangible presence of our brothers and sisters. One of the ways you combat your, our doubts is through word and sacrament. Oh, Lord, so would you help us? We need you. In Christ's name.